happy Mother's Day weekend, everybody. I'm super glad that you're tuning in. Moms, big shout out to you this weekend. If you happen to be tuning in for the first time, I'm Pastor Mike Decker and I'm in the kitchen. So welcome to Robin and my kitchen, Mi Casa Es Su Casa, my house is your house. Uh, the snacks are just over my shoulder here to your, to your left. Uh, maybe I'll show you later. Uh, kind of what I keep in my snack drawer. Last week, I had a few people make a request to see what's in our refrigerator. So if you look in our refrigerator now, I'm not going to show you, but there's a couple of T-bone steaks ready to be <laughs> celebrate Mother's Day weekend on. Uh, Axel asked for some chocolate milk. So Axel, if you want to come on over right now, I got the chocolate milk for you. But anyways, I'm broadcasting to you from Costa Mesa, California. And we are in this series called Words, Words. So let me give you the big idea kind of for our conversation today. And um, then I'll give you the words for uh, what we're gonna look for in the text, okay? So here's the big idea. If you're taking notes or if you have our Palm Harvest app and you wanna write this down, please do so. And that is, proactive mothers trust God. That's what we're going to talk about today. Proactive mothers trust God. Now, the words that I want you to look for in the story that we're going to talk about or read about, uh, I promise you, are, are broader than just a message for, for moms. So if you're like not a mom, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. Please note, I promise you that you know God's got something for you today as well. But here's the words of, of what we're going to discuss. Okay, write this down. My part and God's part. My part and God's part. My part is what I do. God's part is what he does. Okay? So that's the, the words that we're going to look at today. Now, if you have a Bible, whether it's in written like this or digital form on your app or your iPad or something, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 2. Now, Exodus, as many of you know, is it's the second book from the beginning of your Bible, so super easy to find. Exodus, chapter 2. And in this story that we're going to read, we are going to see three actions. Really, I want you to look for three actions that a proactive mother practices, okay? Three actions of a proactive mother. So I'm gonna read the story to sort of give the, uh, the broad context for uh, the conversation, and then we're gonna, we're gonna really kind of pull it apart and, and draw some application to our lives, okay? So starting at verse one of Exodus chapter two, and I'm gonna get my phone out here, and I'm gonna record it like I did last week. Um, I want you to follow along get it here on video and i think we're good to go okay here we go exodus chapter 2 i'm beginning at verse 1 this is what we read about this time a man and woman from the tribe of levi got married the woman became pregnant and she gave birth to a son she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months now here's that there's the first action do you see it it's right there. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. 
She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Now, by the way, that's the section action here in of a proactive mother. Verse 7. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the baby went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the, ba the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses, for she exclaimed, I lifted him out of the water. Now join me for an opening prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today in my kitchen, surrounded with friends from all around the country, to learn from you. And I pray, Father, that as we delve into this story, that you will give to our moms and that you will really give to all of us principles that we can apply in our life. So we come before you with an open hand and an open heart and an open mind, God, and inviting you to teach us. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, what's going on here? What's going on here in this story, okay? I want you to look again at verse one. Look at verse one. Let me read it. So about this time, we're told, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. That's significant. The woman became pregnant. She gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, and she kept him hidden for three months, okay? Now, moms, let me hear from you. Why? hide the baby. I mean, if, 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 why is this mom and her dad hiding him? Well, first of all, that's what protective moms or rather active, proactive moms do. They protect. Okay. So point number one, proactive moms protect. So what is she, what is she protecting him from? Do you know? Well, to answer that question, you really got to go back to the previous book, the first book, the book of Genesis. And if you start reading in around chapter 40 or so, you will see how 430 years prior to this, there had been this famine in the land. There was a shortage of food. And so there was this dad, his name was Israel. He had 12 sons and he decided in order to kind of protect his family from this famine that they would move to Egypt. And the Bible tells us that this family consisted of about 70 people. So there are 12 sons, 12 brothers, who eventually become known as the 12 tribes of, of Israel, right? Israel's the dad. And one of his sons, one of his 12 sons, is a guy by the name of Levi, okay? And we see here mentioned in verse 1 that this man and this woman are from the tribe of Levi. 
Levi. So what do we know about the tribe of Levi? Now stay with me on this. Every tribe within the nation of Israel would have a role. Every tribe had sort of a function. And we know from the Bible that the tribe of, of Levi, the Levites were sort of the spiritual tribe of, of that nation. The priests would come from the tribe of, of Levi. In fact, it was, it was predetermined that if you had a, a son, the firstborn son of the family would be designated a priest. And then if there were other brothers or siblings in, 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 the, in the household, they would carry on other duties within the, the, the function of, of the tabernacle. You would have worship leaders, and you would have musicians, and you would have gatekeepers, and you would have custodians, and you would have craftsmen, people who would fix things and repair things and create things for the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, to, to worship God. Well, if you read, if you go forward just a few uh chapters here in Exodus chapter 6, you will read about uh, Amron, who was the father of, of this boy here in uh, Genesis chapter 2. And Amron, this is important, so stay with me, he was the oldest of four brothers. And so I'm suggesting to you that there's a strong likelihood and possibility that Amron was a priest. And his wife, who we later learn, her name is Jochebed, J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D, Jochebed, I'm making the assumption based upon their lineage in the history of Israel that Jochebed and Amron, the parents of this boy, they trusted God, okay? So here's the question, why hide their son? Well, if you know the backstory of Israel, you know that while in Egypt during this famine, everybody's seeking refuge from, from famine, God spared their lives. But over time, the leadership of Israel changed. Now stay with me, please. And over time, the Israelites, or rather the Egyptians, saw this growing nation of Israelites as an enemy, as a threat. And so what they did, if you read chapter 1 here of Exodus, they began to force them into slavery. In verse 14 here, we can read how, how they were ruthless in their demands. In, verse, in fact, they were, so, they were so ruthless that in verse 16 we can read how the Pharaoh, the kind of the ruling king of the land, makes this declaration that he wants every baby boy to be killed, snuffed out, eliminated, which is why, brothers and sisters, this mom and dad are hiding their son. Proactive moms protect now, I find it very interesting that in light of this whole COVID-19 thing, and this would be a future conversation maybe for us to have, is here we see an example of what I think is civic disobedience, social rebellion. These parents were told to kill their boy, kill their son, but instead they do what? They hide him. And so really an interesting conversation that at least I'm beginning to have with my staff and other people around me is how does my faith in God intersect, so to speak, with civic obedience? And more, more particularly, if, how does my faith in God, if my faith in God is greater than my governor's fear for COVID-19, then how do I live that out? Interesting conversation. But back to our Mother's Day story, here in verse 2 we're told, 
that this woman, she gives birth to the son and she sees that he is a special baby. A special baby. Now moms, what would cause you to, to determine your son or daughter as being a special baby? Did he have a playful demeanor? You know, was he observant? Did he illustrate some kind of a, a physical dexterity and, you know, when they would hand him a toy, he seemed to snatch onto it? Was this baby here in our story, was he quick to learn? We know if you read further uh, in Exodus that this baby had an older sister by the name of Miriam and an older brother, three years older than, than him, by the name of Aaron. Did the parents compare this baby to his brother and his sister and recognize that he was somehow special and different from them? What made this baby special? Was it because he was quiet? in this chaotic environment. You know, they're, they're slaves that mom and dad have to go and to and from. They, gotta, they still have to do their work. Was he calm while he was being shuttered from home to home to home while these parents are, are trying to hide in him, right? What made this child special? Well, I don't know. But what we do know is that these parents, they hide him, don't we? In fact, they hide him for three months until they can hide him no longer which then kicks into gear the second action of a proactive mother. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is a proactive mother plans. A proactive mother plans. Now here in verse 3, we can read how this woman, this mother, puts her son into a basket made of papyrus reeds, she waterproofs it with tar and pitch. And then the Bible tells us that she lays it where? She lays it in the reeds, right? She doesn't just stick it out into the current of the Nile to be swept downstream. She puts it in a place where it's somewhat secure and possibly can be found. You know what I see here in this mother's actions? I see a woman who is proactive. I see someone who is entrepreneurial. I see someone who is creative and purposeful. Don't miss this. What we see here in this woman's activity is she is illustrating an, an, an act of faith, which comes back to our words, my part, God's part. My part, God's part. Brothers and sisters, recognize that she is still a slave in slavery. Now, don't miss this. Yet she didn't allow her bad circumstances to keep her from trying. Something, write that down. She didn't allow her bad circumstances. She didn't allow her non-favorable predicament to keep her from trying. Why? Because a proactive mother plans. The Bible tells us here in verse four that this baby sister, right? This baby sister is stationed at a distance and what is she doing? What's the Bible say? She is, she's watching. Now, what is she watching for? Well, what, we'll answer that question in, in a second, but what this tells me is that there is an, an intentionality behind this basket ploy. Yes, my part, God's part. So what's this sister looking for as she watches her baby brother in this basket in the weeds? I want to suggest to you 
that this baby sister, this older sister, that she is looking for the princess. In fact, I want to suggest to you that in this mother's planning, that in, this, in her sleuthing to try to find a remedy to how to protect her son, the life of her son, I want to suggest that she somehow learned and came across the princess's bathing habits. And as she's thinking about what can I do to save my son's life, what can I do, what can my part be in, an, in, co in, in cooperation with God's part, my part's God's part, what can I do? I think she stumbled across the princess's bathing habits. Now, before I talk more about that, ladies, I want you to personalize this. Moms, I want you to personalize this story for a second. And ask yourself the question, where are you facing a challenge? In your life, where are you hitting a wall? Or maybe equally important to ask is where are you tempted to give up? Now listen to me. Are you focusing on your circumstances or are your eyes on your creator? So good. Where are your eyes? Are they on your situation? Or are they on the one who can take care of your situation? So I want, to say, I want you to pray a few prayers with me today. And so let's pray one right now, okay? If you want to feel comfortable, open your palms, your hand. Eyes open, closed, doesn't matter. But I want you to pray this in your heart. Say, God, I want my eyes to be on you. God, I want my strength to come from you. Verse 4, we'll get it. So the Bible tells us here that she's standing at a distance, right? She's watching. She's trying to see what's, what's going on. And honestly, I think this is a great picture of parenting. Because for those of you who are parents and maybe have had the privilege of, of raising you know, your, your kids from young toddlers up to maybe adults, you know that parenting is just really a process of learning to let go, right? You're still engaged, but as they grow older, you've got to continue to loosen your grip. Yes, my part, God's part. So moms, ask yourself the question, where do you need to loosen your grip, right? When you think about your children or child, where do you possibly need to let go and trust God to take care of your kids? So let's pray another prayer, ready? You wanna pray another prayer? I do, let's do it. Simply say, Jesus, please take care of my kids. Oh, so simple, but so hard. Jesus, Think about your kids. Picture their faces in your mind. Where do they live? What are their circumstances? And just like Jochebed here, putting the basket in the reeds, just say, Jesus, please take care of my kids. Please take care of my son. Please take care of my daughter. Jesus, please take care of my kids. Amen? Amen. Now write this down. Point number three in your notes. A proactive mother partners. Okay, we know she protects. We know she plans. 
but she also partners, okay? My part, God's part. My part, God's part. Now, ladies, think about this. Did this baby's predicament, did Jochebed, her awareness of the princess's bathing schedule, did it give her hope? And how could she, do you think she began to think about how might I partner with somebody else? I think she was very aware of the princess's bathing strategy. And I wanna to suggest to you that she began to plan and she devised this plan that if I can just put my baby in the reeds at just the right time, my part, God's part, I might actually increase my son's odds of staying alive. I might actually protect his life. And I believe that this mother, this birth mother, Jochebed, had done her homework, hadn't she? Because a proactive mother in, 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 in her partnering, which we're going to get to in a second, she also plans, right? She is forward-looking. So moms, personalize this again. What kind of plans do you have for your child, okay? What kind of dreams and hopes do you have for your son or daughter? Do you long for a life of hardship for them? Or do you hope that their life will be filled with fruitfulness? That's a rhetorical question, right? We all want our kids to have a fruitful life, yes? My mom, growing up, some of you know her, she sold Avon. As long as I can remember, you know, my dad uh, had a job uh, that really didn't cover the needs of our growing family to pay for all the bills, and so my mom would work. She would work to basically earn some extra cash to help subsidize the needs of our growing family, my sisters and my, my two brothers. My mom was a, a, a planner, and so she would, she would work and she would plan and she would do the budget so that she would have money to buy us like school clothes, right, and school supplies. If you're a parent, the one thing you know about your kids is their feet are constantly growing. As soon as you buy a pair of shoes, it seems like a month later they're too, they're too small. And so my mom was working, this, 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 this selling Avon in order to, to buy shoes just so we could have shoes for our, our sporting activities. You know, my mom worked hard, and I really hated this part, but she, my mom worked hard so we could take piano lessons. Brothers and sisters, I was forced, coerced, demanded. It was terrible. I was forced to take eight years of piano lessons, a half an hour lesson every single week. And my mom, she worked, and she made us feel so guilty. <laughs> because she was working so hard for us to take piano lessons, and it was terrible. I had a rough childhood, if you can't tell. <laughs> my mom would pull me out of varsity practice, Coach Vargas. My mom would pull me out of varsity practice so I could go to my piano, my half-hour piano lesson. No bueno. My mom worked hard. My mom worked hard so she could buy some drums for my brother and, or a trumpet for me and my, my younger brother you know, my mom worked hard so she could buy a guitar and, you know, so I could have lessons, not just for, for my trumpet, but for my, for, for, for my guitar lessons. My mom and dad, they would even scrimp and save, thank you, mom and dad, to buy a car for my brother and I to drive. 
You know, I don't know what kind of arrangement you have with your kids for those of you who are parents, but my parents said, listen, if you get at least a B, you know, we, we want you to get an A, but if you get at least a B grade average, then we will provide you with a car that you can drive. Oh, well, that's, that's good motivation. My mom sold Avon to, to, to save for college long before I was ever old enough or my siblings were old enough to go there. You see, that's what proactive mothers do. They devise a plan. And then they put that plan, yes, into action. And then they leave the rest up to God, right? My part, God's part. And so I love here, if you look at verse 6, I love here how, how the princess finds the baby and the Bible says here that she felt sorry for him. I'm going to come back to that. Verse 7 then says that the sister responds. She approaches the princess, which tells us that the plan is still in play, right? The jig's not up yet. And she makes the, asks the question, you know, should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Now question, how did the sister know that it was safe to approach? How did she know? If any of you have ever done any, you know, schooling in the art of speech or, or you know, communication, you know that communication, the act of pre presenting a message, is really made up of three components. Our actual words, our tone of voice, inflection and all that stuff, and our body language. And so if you want to take notes, we've talked about this before, 7% of your message is only through words. And so if you write the word words, put next to it 7%. Words, 7%. The next portion of our communication is our tone of voice. And so write down tone of voice and next to it, put this, this, this number, 38. 38% of our message comes from our tone of voice. And then the last portion, the largest portion of our communication style comes from our body language, our body language. And next to this, write the number 55. So 55% is body language, 38% is tone of voice, and 7% is words. Okay, so let me illustrate that for you. What am I saying to you right now? No words, but body language. Okay, tell me, tell me what, you, what you believe. I'm not mad. Do you believe my actual words and I'm not mad, or do you believe my tone of voice? I'm not mad. What do you believe? I'm not mad. Tone of voice, words, body language. Okay, now I'll apply that. What am I saying here? What body language did the princess display? How did the sister know that it was safe for her to approach? What does this princess do that gives the sister the impression that she didn't, that she felt sorry for him? Well, what didn't the princess do? Well, the princess didn't take the baby up and toss him in, in the Nile River, which is what her dad had told everyone to do. Right? She didn't drown him. It's probably safe to assume that she probably cuddled him. We're told here in the story that the baby's crying. She probably did what you or I would do, especially if you're a mother. You would rock him, right, to try to soothe him. So what does this tell us? 
Well, it tells us that God can change a person's heart, right? I mean, think about this. Some of you have grown up in a racist family. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I know about racism is it's often, that attitude is often passed from one generation to the next, yes? So we know that Pharaoh has already said and declared that all these Hebrew boys have, are to be killed. And I think it's moderately safe for us to maybe assume that his hatred and his vitriol for, this, for these, these Israelite people is probably in his daughter's heart, like dad, like daughter. And yet the Bible says that the princess felt sorry for the baby, which tells me, and what I believe, is that God touched her heart. Brothers and sisters, God still touches people's hearts. Let that sink in. God still is in the business of transforming lives, and your life and my life are, 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 are proof of that. Amen? God touches people's hearts. And so really, moms, the question that I want you to really hang on to, for all of us to hang on to, is will you let him touch people's hearts? Will you trust God to change people? My part, your part. Now, I want you to think of a current situation that you're facing right now. We all have situations uh, in our life. You know, some of you, it might have conflict in it. Maybe there's some, some walls in it. Maybe a situation you're facing right now, you recognize and you would say, you know what, I'm hitting a roadblock. My question to you and my question to myself is, will you and I, will I trust God? My part, God's part. So let me bring this to a close, all right? Miriam, the sister in our story, she approaches the, prin the princess to make the big ask, right? What's her ask? She kind of goes up and says, excuse me, uh, excuse me, but should I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? That's the big ask. And what's the princess's response? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, please do. And so the sister goes, Miriam goes, gets the mom. She comes back and look at what the princess's response is here in verse nine. She says, I will pay you for your help. You know what this is, right? Jackpot, winner, winner, mutton dinner. <laughs> Moms, listen to me. The message in this story, the message for you and the message for all of us is that God has resources for our kids that are outside our scope of understanding. God has kingdom resources far beyond what you know. So the question again is, will you trust him? Will I trust him? My part? Finish it. God's part. So let's say another prayer, an arrow prayer. Super simple, super powerful. You ready? Say, God, please help me to trust you. God, from my heart and my mind and from the depth of my being, I'm praying this simple but powerful prayer. God, please help me to trust you. Listen, here's a challenge for all of you, not just moms. Don't let a lack of resources keep you from trying. 
And moms, on this Mother's Day weekend, again, I just reinforce this truth. Don't let the lack of resources keep you from encouraging your kids from trying new things. In fact, somewhere in the margin of your notes or in your, your app, write down these three words. Ready? Don't limit God. Woo! Powerful stuff. Don't limit God. You know, over the course of your life, and I know mine, there has been opportunities for you and me to help people. I want you to think about maybe situations when there's been a tsunami or maybe a flood, or last year here in California, we had some fires, or there's tornadoes that always tend to hit the Midwest. And whenever there's just like this catastrophic event that takes place around the world, what happens? People gather together, they get a group together and they wanna roll up their sleeves and they wanna help. We call it a mission trip. You know, can you think of a time when maybe you wanted to help, maybe you were even invited to help, but you didn't? And the reason that you didn't is because you had all kinds of maybe good excuses, maybe viable excuses. I don't have enough vacation, I can't afford the time off, and so what happens? You never make the big ask. What's the big ask? Friends, your boss can't give you the time off. The boss can't pay you for, for your trip even if you don't make the big ask. You know, I can think of multiple experiences over my life when I've encouraged people to make the big ask and they go into their boss and not only do they, does the boss give them the time off, even though they don't have the vacation, then Eight out of 10 times, the boss will even say, you know what, and our company even wants to sponsor you, all because they made the big ask. Moms, a proactive mother partners. She partners with others, and she partners with God. You know, here in verse 10, and I'm gonna wrap up with this, the Bible tells us that the princess, she lifts the baby up out of the water, and, and, and she says, um, she gives him the name Moses, and she says, because I lifted him out of the water. Because I lifted him out of the water. But my question is, was it the princess who lifted him out of the water, or was it God? Now, don't miss this. The Bible tells us here in verse 10 that this princess eventually adopted him as her own son. Now, what would make this Egyptian princess so compassionate toward this Hebrew boy. Why would she risk even going against the wrath of her dad, the Pharaoh, the king of the land? The wishes of her father was to do what? Was to kill these kids. So why adopt him as her son? Well, certainly it's because God changed her heart. But how did God change her heart? I think simply... He changed her heart in part because she invested herself in the baby. They had a relationship. I think not only did she pay Jochebed money to take care of and nurse this young Hebrew baby, but I think she probably likely visited him, brought him clothes, maybe dropped off some baby toys, whatever it might be that a king's son or grandson would deserve. And in the process of her visiting, in the process of this exchange, I suggest that she developed a bond with that child. Would you agree with me? 
She, teared, she shared time with him. And as she did, she loved him, which is what led to her adopting him as her son. And as you know, Moses, over time, became a phenomenal, phenomenal leader for God. But why? You know what I think? I think Moses became this phenomenal leader in part because the birth mother and the adopted mother, they partnered together. They did their part and they allowed God to do his part. My part, God's part. And so moms, as I wrap up this talk on this Mother's Day weekend, I want to encourage you. In fact, I implore you to visualize your son and daughter's future. Dream about it. Hope for it. Work at it. Do whatever, whatever you can to make their future prosperous and, and filled with promise. And while you invest yourself into this journey, I urge you to let go of the desire to control things. Woohoo! And on your own, you can't. Whose help do you need? Well, you need the help of others, and you need the help of God. Friends, invite others to share the burden that you're carrying, and then trust God to fill in the gaps. So moms, as we bring this conversation to a close where which one of these three points do you think God's asking you to to work on do you want him to your help in protecting your kids do you need his help in planning or maybe for some of you you need his help in the partnering element proactive moms protect proactive moms plan and proactive moms partner so let's close in one final prayer. You ready? Hands open, heart open, mind open. This is what we're going to say. First and foremost, I just want you to thank God for your children. Call them out by name. Visualize their wherever they might be, whether they live in your home or maybe they're out of your home. Visualize them and thank God for them. And right now, from the depth of your heart, ask him to bless them. Ask him to pour out his favor upon them today and in the days to come. Ask God in his mercy to draw them close to him. And ask God to help you be a cheerleader in their lives. Father, this is our prayer today. As moms, as dads, as just general cheerleaders in people's lives, use us, we ask, to be proactive cheerleaders, advocates in the lives of our kids. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. You know, I just want to tell you after I take a quick drink here that I'm super jazzed about this, uh, you tuning in with me. And, and as I've shared with you before, this has been a huge learning experience for me. Thank you for your patience and your grace. And, 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 and it's, I, I feel like I'm growing, but I would love to hear from you. Maybe, you know, give me your feedback. I, I love good feedback. But equally, in this season, this COVID-19 season of transition and growth, where is God growing you? I want to hear from you. And many of you have reached out to me, whether it be through text messages or, you know, through your internet. Send me an email at mike at palmharvest.com and, and let me know what God is doing in your life. 
You know, and wherever you are across this globe, wherever you are tuning in, I just want to thank you for being a part of the Palm Harvest family. And I want to encourage you to continue to, to lean into becoming a part of our church family. You know, if you want to join a Zoom Bible study, let us know. If you have questions, maybe you're new to the faith or maybe you're still seeking out what a relationship with Jesus is like and, and you have questions, let me know. Reach out to me and lean in and invite God's Holy Spirit to strengthen you for the calling that he has upon your life, both for today and in the days to come. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you next time.